John chapter 4. John chapter 4. So if you can turn there, if you have your Bibles with you. John chapter 4. And uh, we're not going to read the whole chapter, but we'll start off in verse 1. So then, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that he was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself was not baptizing, rather his disciples were, he left Judea and went away again to Galilee, and he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of land that Jacob gave to his son Joseph, and Jacob's well was there. So Jesus tired from his journey, was just sitting by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. So the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, though you are a Jew, are asking me for a drink, though I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus replied to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it was who was saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. She said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where, where then do you get this living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself, and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will, thir will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never be thirsty. But the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water, springing up to eternal life. Amen. Amen. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Um, to give you a little bit of context, uh, Jews really do not like Samaritans. And traditionally, um, to get to where they were going, they would go around Samaria. They would go around this region simply to avoid these people. And so Jesus has to go somewhere and he takes the shortest route. And so he actually cuts through Samaria. Um, Samaritans, if you want to know who's, you know, why, why there's such uh, discord, why, why there's such dislike, uh, during the uh, Babylonian, Babylonian exile, when uh, Israel was taken, some of the, what they considered to be lower life or lower level, uh, uh, you know, I guess standard of living, were left behind. So some of the Jews were left behind. You know, the people that they thought were, were not contributors, people they didn't want to live in, in, in Babylon. And so then they, these who were left over, actual Jews, then started to intermarry with people from that region and from that area. And so... Uh, in the eyes of the Jews, they were considered as a half-breed, half-Jew. They were mixed. They were mixed blood. And on top of that, um, they still try to, to some degree, without proper direction, follow the laws and ended up coming up with their own sort of mishmash of traditions. And so not only were they not fully Jewish, but they also were, were trying to follow. They even had their own version of the temple. Uh, which, which the Jews at one point had, had you know, uh, torn down. And so there was just opposition. They, they looked down on them. They disliked them. Uh, culturally, religiously, they would avoid them at all costs. And for Jesus, 
um, in this chapter, chapter 4, you see him breaking through uh, cultural norms. You know, we, we saw in the previous chapter that Jesus was not afraid to offend people. You know, when he, when he uh, uh, chased out the money changers, flipped the tables. I mean, he's, he's not concerned about what people think of him. His primary concern is about pleasing the Father. And so once again here, he comes on the scene, and you have to understand that in this context, when people see Jesus, you know, we saw the Pharisees, they were one religious movement. We saw John the Baptist, you know, who's a follower of God. He had his disciples, and, and this movement's supposed to come into alignment with, you know, this new movement that Jesus is doing. And so Jesus is very much, uh, in the eyes of the locals and people who see him, revolutionary. He's, he's, he's really like someone they've never seen before. And the things that he says, and the things that he does, and the miracles, and the teachings. And so once again, he, he goes through, it's like, it's like, you know, we need to get from point A to point B. And why are we going to go through all these, why are we going to let hindrances, or uh, uh, past broken relationships, or why, you know, I mean, I, I understand, right? There's broken relationships, there's, there's something that un- makes us uncomfortable. But the fact that that would detour us, or cause us to alter our plans, just for the sake of our own sort of comfort and things. And so Jesus just goes straight to the point. He, he, he goes straight through. It doesn't matter what people's uh, tradition or, or past you know, things. And, and if he were to come to Solomon's porch and he wouldn't really ask about you know, what relationships are going on here, what issues are... He would just say, this is what we need to do as a church. This is, we need to get from point A to point B. We need, we need to bring the gospel and the kingdom of God. I don't care who had problems with who. We're going to move forward. You're either with us on board or not. And so Jesus uh, does that, and he's once again, uh, um, you know, not afraid to breach or, or hurt people's feelings or make people uncomfortable. You know, I'm sure the disciples are thinking, what in the world? Like, isn't that like unclean? Isn't that like not kosher? Is, is it, aren't people going to talk that we went through with them? Lord, do you, do you want to, are you sure that you want people to know that we're affiliated or associated or that we went through? Do we then have to tell people that we did ceremonial cleansing? And You know what I mean? All these millions of thoughts and, and none of that mattered. And uh, we come upon this uh, account where Jesus meets a woman at the well. Now, if you've read this before and are familiar with it, you know a little bit about this woman. She comes uh, the sixth hour, which is considered a noontime. Most people, most women would come, they would congregate, they would come together, and they'd usually come in the morning for all the duties, for all the responsibilities, for all the need of water, you know, draw out water. And so this woman is coming by herself, and she's coming at noon. And so a lot of scholars believe, I mean, from the scriptures alone, she's kind of an outcast. She's not part of the, you know, included within the, the community. And, and then the scriptures tells us that she has multiple or has had multiple partners all the way up to a sixth uh, person that she's living with now that Jesus calls out. It was unheard of, one, for a Jew to speak with a Samaritan. It was unheard of. They, they don't affiliate, they don't associate, especially religious leaders. And on top of that, for a man in, in, in broad daylight, mid, mid-noon, one-on-one, to meet with a woman in addition to that, just broke all these cultural norms. And so the woman herself is surprised. She's shocked. It's like, what? Like, you're here? And then two, you're actually addressing me? And then you're talking to me and asking me questions? And so she's, she's genuinely shocked at the fact that Jesus would acknowledge her and speak to her. 
And then not only that, but to ask her for a favor, to ask her for help. This is God, the creator of the universe, midday, tired, hasn't had food. The disciples went out to get food and he's tired and he's sitting. And it just gives you, I think it's a very, really, it's, it's a really beautiful picture of the humanity of Christ. You know, God came, Jesus came incarnate in the flesh to do this incredible work. But at the same time, we see that he gets tired. At the same time, we see that, you know, he sits down and then he asks. It's quite an incredible picture that God, Jesus, who has the keys to life and the answers to everything and eternity and can, and, and can transform your life in a, in a moment, in a word, in a prayer, is asking this woman across all the context and circumstances, can you help me? Would you offer me, you know, you have a bucket, would you, would you, would you be so kind as to give me a drink? And, 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 and for this, you know, for Jesus, this is an invitation. Ultimately, Jesus knows this person. Jesus knows what this person is struggling with. Jesus didn't just go through Samaria because it was the shortest route to where he had to end up. He went through Samaria to meet this woman. He had a divine appointment. He had a purpose. He had a call. He was going to plant some seeds. He was going to bring transformation. And through this woman, once she realizes, at one point, you know, she starts, you know, she, she, you know, from her context, she's just coming to get some water. Jesus makes an invitation and asks, can you help? Can you give me some water? And then a dialogue begins. And through the process of this dialogue, as she starts, you know, asking some questions, um, she begins to realize that this is a person of, uh, prominence that this maybe maybe this is a prophet and then at one point she even asks you know are, are, are you the messiah you know and she goes back to her community and says is this not the messiah is this not the one that we the scriptures talks about um this place that jesus comes to jacob's well um another word for it is is uh, shechem uh, this is where abraham first came when he arrived into canaan from babylonia this is where God first appeared to Abraham in Canaan and renewed the promise of giving the land to him and to his descendants. This is where Abraham, this region, this area where the well is, is where Abraham built an altar and called upon the name of the Lord. This is where Jacob came safely when he returned with his family and children. This is where Jacob bought a piece of land. This is where Jacob built the altar to the Lord. This is where he, he dug the well. So this place has... You know, where, whereas for Israel, because of circumstances, because of geography, because of demographic, because of maybe in their perception, these people didn't live up to the standard of God. For Israel and for the Jews and for the religious leaders, it was like, it was so easy for them to just cut them off. You know what I mean? Like this, this is a place of heritage. This is a place of legacy. This is a place where God began a lot of incredible you know, ministry. And, and, and where the legacy and history continues on. And because of perceived sin or lack of holiness, you know, for, for the people, it's like, oh, we'll just cut them off. We'll just move on without them. And Jesus says, no. And Jesus cared enough. And he, he's, he's, he's making an object lesson. He's making it a point to go back to these very places. These are also sons and daughters. These are also your brothers and sisters. And so you may have forgotten and you may think that uh, uh, the church or the ministry can can go forward and can continue on, but Jesus hasn't forgotten. And so there, you know, this is a great reminder that, you know, we as a church and as a community, 
you know, it's easy to say that we've grown. It's easy to say that, you know, we're, we're somewhere in, in the hundreds or, or two hundreds. It's easy to say that God has greater plans for us to go forward. But God has not forgotten those who have, you know, who are struggling. God has not forgotten those who have stumbled. God has not forgotten those who have maybe left the church. And so this is a, a, a stark reminder that, man, Jesus cares. We don't, we don't work around uncomfortable situations. We go through them. Right? And we're called to come through it together. We're called to be a community. And so Jesus would not let... It's like, it's like if you have children or if you had siblings, right? And your parents. And you have a fallout with your brother or your sister, you know, whatever happened, however many years ago. And so you just live your life. You just kind of carry that pain and you, 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 you just kind of compartmentalize and separate. And, and to that, God would say no. To that, He would say no. Man, if you're saved and if you believe in me and if you call me your Lord and Savior then you have to go through, not around. Right? We accommodate, we walk on eggshells. There, there's a heart of the matter that, that is not, has not been addressed right? Be, because of, uh, of hurt or because of volatile emotions. And, and God, is, you're, looking, you're looking at this picture and, and, and Jesus you know, is, is not merely going through Samaria because it's the shortest route. He has a divine appointment. There's a woman, there's a person there's a community here that is broken, that is hurting. Not just one person. There's a whole culture. There's a whole system. There's a whole interconnected network of individuals in this community. And Jesus comes to minister to that. And through this broken woman, and whom he perceives, or, you know, downloaded revelation because he's God, is in a broken relationship. Um, Jesus offers her this living water. Uh, in the previous chapters, he talks about being born again. The only way that you can receive the kingdom of God is if you, uh, 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 you know, are, are born of the Spirit and of water. And so he's obviously talking about supernatural things. Even as he's teaching, talking with the religious leader and the most prominent teacher of, of this place, of this region, in Nicodemus. Even Nicodemus, though he knows so much about the law, though he knows so much about the scriptures, though he knows so much about how the world works, he actually has very little to no knowledge of spiritual matters. I think that the church and our individual lives can thrive to a degree simply by obeying, simply by following the laws. And so I think that's basic. You know, if, if, if we know nothing at all, you know, you would be blessed and you would benefit if you simply studied the word and simply did what it said. Don't do this, don't do that. Oh, this seems a little gray. Well, I'm going to err on the side of love. I'm going I'm to be more cautious than more liberal. So I'm just going to obey. I'm going to submit. I'm going to obey. But that doesn't necessarily mean that God gives, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's knowledge about Him and then there's relationship with Him. And there's two different things. You can pull off, go into any, any, any store, any shop, pull up a, a publication or a magazine about celebrities, you can know about them. All of us can know about anyone we wanted to. We can research them, study them. We could join their fan club. We could become, you know, top 25 Olivia Rodriguez fan club. You know, you can know everything about, you know, him or her, right? But do you really walk with him? Do you really know him intimately? And that's, that's a, you have to understand scripturally speaking, that's what Jesus is talking about when he says, how do you know so much yet you don't know these things, these basic elementary spiritual principles? And so there's so much you can know about someone versus walking intimately with them. And this is what Jesus is saying. You, you can know me intimately. You can have a direct 
connection with me. And then he goes on to say, whoever drinks of this water that I'll give him shall never be thirsty, but the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. What an incredible picture, right? Come on, guys. You know, for those of us who've grown up in the church, for those of us who've been around, you know, even, even for the last year or so or more, or maybe have taken a break and come back, we know what the pattern is. We, we, we check in on Sundays, right? We go through a rough week. We get beat up and then we check in on Sunday for like a refueling, right? We, we, we go to retreat. We have these spiritual encounters, recalibration, revival. But what Jesus is offering to us is that wherever you go, that in the midst of your own home at night, on, on, a, on a midweek Thursday night, in the midst of a crazy work week, in the midst of all this you know, political or relational stuff you know, busting up in your face, that in the midst of all that, that Jesus is saying, you don't have to wait till Sunday. You don't have to wait till the next guest speaker. You don't have to wait till the next retreat. You can come, kneel down before me in your home, call upon my name. And just like Jesus went out of his way, direct appointment to meet this woman at the well, Jesus is willing and more than wanting to meet you where you are at if you call on the name of Jesus. And in that place, in your secret place, in your, in your committed devotion, on your knees, in your home, praying, you know, it, it's wonderful to have a community and, and service and programs and people that are coming to, to make it convenient and create a platform where we can all come. But Jesus is saying, you can have this. At one point, the woman says, you know, the Jews keep saying we have to go to their temple. And, and Jesus talks about there's, there's going to come a time where, you know, you can worship in spirit and truth. And anywhere you are, even in the midst of your job, in the midst, literally, you can walk into your office this morning. There can be some blow up, some, 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 some huge dilemma, and, 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 and everyone's freaking out and stressing out. And in that moment, you can pause before you walk into your office and just, you know, in your own space, come before the Lord and commit your heart to him and say, Lord, I'm not going to be able to make it today without your living waters. See, and, and to draw from that, because the Holy Spirit lives in you, to draw from that, to have that that life and that joy and the springing up. It's not somewhere you have to go. It's not a place you have to manufacture or emotions you have to draw out. Just meeting and acknowledging God's presence in your life. Your body is the temple and the Spirit lives in you. And, and once you begin to realize and begin to shift your mindset that no matter what circumstance you're in, that you can call on Jesus and that in that moment, the you know, spring water, literally spring water, if you've ever seen spring water, uh, um, the privilege of hiking in the Sierra Nevadas and actually camping and sleeping on the shoulder, uh, some of you guys may know, of, of Yosemite and Half Dome. Um, and, and we were hiking up maybe about eight, nine hours uh, up. It, it's, it's actually not that long of a hike. It's about maybe, maybe three hours. Um, but we had taken, this was one of our first times camping, and we had taken all this gear. We actually brought coolers, had soda pop in it, and and uh, frying pans and all that, and pe people were just making fun of us because no one hikes up Yosemite, you know, a two-hour, three-hour hike that takes nine hours because we were literally carrying ice coolers. And then we got there, and there's not even a place to camp, so we got in all sorts of trouble. Um, but on the way there, um, there's a little bit off-road, off there's a little bit of what looks like sand. And this is like a Sierra Nevada, North America, lots of pine trees, lots of beautiful nature, dry climate, very cool. And you would literally see bubbles coming up from the ground. And, and, and the water is, you know, I mean, you're just walking on a trail and then there's a little bit of a dip and then there's this crystal clear water. If you're not paying attention, you, you would, might just 
walk right past it because it's so crystal clear. And it literally bubbles up, like little, little bubbles will come up. And at first glance, if you don't know, you might think, oh, you know, is that clean water or whatnot? But the, but the snow cap on the top, it permeates, it literally, the whole mountain becomes a filtration system. So the whole permeation, it literally goes through the rocks, it literally goes through the soil, it literally goes through the, the, the foliage and the plants, and, and you can find little crevices on the side of the mountain and where water is streaming down, and it's the cleanest water you'll ever taste. It's, it's literally sweet. Uh, um, I, you know, I, I, I can distinctly remember how sweet the water is. The water actually tastes sweet, and you don't need to filter it any further. You can literally just put your hand under it or, or scoop it and drink it. And it's so refreshing, and it's so sweet. And the water that you, we drink out of tap, anywhere, anywhere that I've lived in the, in the past you know, uh, uh, you know, 40 years, the water that, you come, that comes out of tap, it, it's fine, it's refreshing, but it's, it, the, the taste is a little bit, you know, it's not, not so sweet. Um, it's a little funky. Um, and so this is a picture of this living water, right? It's like every time you get dry spiritually, every time you, you, you fall into temptation and, 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 and sin, every time you get to a debate emotionally, it, it, it drains you. Every time there's an assignment, a problem, and, 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 you, and you feel like you, you feel empty, right? Man, if the church knew the power and the access we had, to simply come on our knees and, 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 you know, Jesus, think about this. Of all the routes, of all the places, of all the meetings, of all the destinations, and of all the appointments that he had, he came to what they consider to be the lowest of lowest of regions, of peoples, of, of communities, and, then, and, and of that at that time. And he came and met with her, and she was refreshed. She was ministered to. Amen. Isn't that a wonderful picture? And Jesus says to you this morning, the Lord reminds us that we all have access. That if we have called Jesus our Lord and Savior, that the Spirit of God lives in us in such a way that when we call upon His name in faith, you may have to orientate, you may have to adjust, you may have to confess a few things, you may have to sit and soak in His presence a while. But if you're willing to go through those measures, it's, 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 like, it's like a superpower, it's like you have, to, you have to you know, focus, but eventually this living water will start to spring up in you. Can you imagine, you know, we have a water dispenser at home, and, and, and uh, at one point we, we stopped our subscription, we just got a little uh, uh, filtration, you know, a little gadget that we just put on our faucet. And so every time it, it runs out, uh, we refill it, and, and it's you know, a bit of a chore. And the kids, for some reason, we have all these other sources of water, but they only want to drink from this one because it's, it's cold. And so we have to refill it every time. We've got to bring it up, take it, prop it, and then bring it. But can you imagine an unlimited source of water? And you're thinking, yeah, Pastor Sam, it's called tap water. <laughs> yeah. um, but in our spirit, right? And, and that's the access that we have gained as sons and daughters. So let's bow our heads this morning. Jesus is trying to teach people's spiritual matters. Man, you've been living in this world so long. You've been living, you know, you've been so formed and, and, and put into these cookie-cutter, you know, belief systems, and, and, and you've been told for, for so long, you know, who you are, what you can do, and what you can't do, and values systems. And Jesus comes and says, man, anything is possible. Anything is possible. The fact that I'm here is already proving and showing. Even my, my, my followers and disciples, they don't, they don't get it yet. But even they're shocked. 
And so he's trying to show Nicodemus, he's trying to show this woman that the kingdom of God is available to you. And this morning I want to say to you that the kingdom of God, that the value systems of God, that the principles of heaven is available to you. And that if you receive it, if you can perceive it, your whole life would be transformed. The woman has a barrier. Jesus comes, offers this living water. She doesn't, she doesn't outright accept. She has a barrier. Jesus calls it out. And when he's able to speak truth into her life, that, hey, no, you haven't had one partner. No, you haven't had two. In fact, you're with your sixth person, and this person isn't your husband either. I believe he says it in such a way that the woman is not offended. I believe he says it in such a way that she doesn't feel exposed or, or, or covers up and, 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 and makes an excuse to leave. I believe Jesus said it in such a way as a father would to a precious daughter that he loves and is trying to bring back home. And so he says it in a way endearing with love, with truth, so much so that it actually opens her up to want even more. And so what is our barrier this morning? God is offering. He has been offering. He's been making this invitation. He's been saying, you know, here I am. I, I want to, I wanna, you know, more of me in you. I want to go deeper with you. This is, what, this is what God is saying. You know, I, I, I've gone... Through, through heaven and hell, literally, to come to you. And I want to have a personal, deeper relationship with you. But what is our barrier? What is holding us back? Right? What, what is our concern? What is our fear? The, the fear that if we follow Jesus, that somewhere, somehow, there's going to be some discomfort or trouble in our lives spiritually? Well, isn't, isn't Jesus worth it? Isn't God in eternity with Him far supersede anything that he could ever possibly even give provision for in this lifetime? And so what's our barrier? There's always a barrier. When Jesus comes and offers to say, I want to go deeper with you, there's always going to be something, a barrier, that, that holds us back. And so this morning I want to invite you to surrender that before the Lord. And I want to invite you to come before the Lord once again to the living waters and to say, Lord, just to be honest with Him, Lord, I've, I've been thirsty. Man, I've been so dry. And man, I, I can't do it without you. I need to drink. I need to be refreshed. Lord, would you massage my heart, massage my soul. Lord, you're right. Thank you. Thank you for coming to me. You're right. You're absolutely right. I do need more of you. I do need more of you. And I've been so thirsty. Lord, I've been so thirsty for you. Let's come this morning and just meditate on that. And after maybe a moment, 